What do you get when you take two childhood friends with a passion for unexplored history and a whole lot of booze? You get us, Queen's Podcast. And here at Queen's, we are spilling the tea on all kinds of women from history. From New Orleans voodoo queen, Marie Laveau, to Marie Antoinette, and everything in between. Each queen is paired with a cocktail recipe that will totally get you in the mood to hear the fun, dramatic, and juicy stories of fascinating women from history. Listen wherever you get your podcasts. Cheers! At a time when change is constant and we are pulled in far too many directions, we need a way to stay present to life and to increase our ability to remain calm, think clearly, and maintain our well-being. Many studies indicate mindfulness improves our mental, emotional, and physical health. On a Mindful Moment with Teresa McKee, you can learn how to practice mindfulness and enjoy its many benefits. Tune in for guided meditations and to hear tips and advice from some of the most respected experts in the fields of mental health and mindfulness. The world truly can be a better place. It all starts with a mindful moment. Hey everyone, I'm Ann Bogle, and this is What Should I Read Next, Episode 8. Welcome to the show that's dedicated to answering the question that plagues every reader. What should I read next? We don't get bossy on this show. What we will do here is give you the information you need to choose your next read. Every week, we'll talk all things books and reading and do a little literary matchmaking with one guest. Before we do that, have you signed up for the What Should I Read Next newsletter? Just go to whatshouldireadnextpodcast.com slash newsletter and subscribe to make sure you don't miss out. Today's guest is Preston Yancey. Preston is a writer, a baker, and is in the process of becoming an Anglican priest. To dispel any stereotypes you may have about that, he also loves HBO, TiVo, Good Wine, and The Nanny Diaries. He's the author of two books currently out, Tables in the Wilderness and Out of the House of Bread. Preston and I have a great conversation about why he reads, what makes a good young adult novel, his hatred of a certain 18th century novelist, and, of course, what he should read next. Preston, welcome to the show. Hi, thanks for having me. Preston, you're a well-rounded guy. So you're an academic, like your degrees blow my mind. You're a writer. You're a blogger again, right? Sort of. <laughs> well, we might talk about that. Your husband, a parent. I know you have a long relationship with books and reading, and I was intrigued by something you said in your memoir, Tables in the Wilderness. You wrote, my father believed in the power of books, which I think has everything to do with who I have become. Unpack that for a little for us. Tell us why you read. Um, sure. Uh, I read because, um, you know, I feel, I don't feel self-conscious about the cliché-ness of this answer other than it's just, it's a cliché answer. Um, you want to understand the world. Um, Milton in his Paradise Lost, which I could both do without and love at the same time, um, at one point... He has Adam say to one of the angels who's explaining the creation to him before Adam came into existence because he wasn't present to know how creation happened. The angel asks him why he wants to know. And Adam says, the more to magnify his works. And I find reading um, to be an opportunity to not only understand our relationship to each other, but people's relationship to 
whether or not they have a concept of God or not, how they understand the world functions and its relation to either the existence of that God or the absence of that God or their relation to one another in light of that existence or that absence. And I just, I love understanding how and why people think. I wasn't expecting you to reference Milton, but now I'm so curious. Let me explain how this works. You're going to tell me three books you love, one book you hate, and what you've been reading lately, and then we'll talk about what you should read next. Let's start with your favorites. Tell me three books you love. What's number one? Okay, so here's here's a caveat and a confession that I want to make. Ooh, I like confessions. Um, because when you first asked this, I hadn't listened to the podcast yet. So I gave you an answer, and then I listened to a couple of the episodes of the podcast, and I realized that what I did was I chose books that are very much in that like higher tier of these books have formed me and mean a lot to me. However, I just want to be very honest in saying that I love, I, I love a good young adult book. (laughs) And I also love a good Devil Wears Prada or Nanny Diaries. Or Chasing Harry Winston. Specifically those? I yes. mean So Chicklet. Chicklet. I don't see, like I, that pra- phrase. I but, hate that phrase. Yeah, uh-huh. but, but but to clarify what we're talking about. But okay. to clarify what we're talking about, I love them. Or, you know, Gone Girl. Or like so the books that I've chosen don't represent well enough that part of me. That is the same part of me that really loves watching The Real Housewives on TV also <laughs> reads books that fit that vein quite happily. With okay. that in mind, yes. favorite number one? Favorite number one is Life of Pi by Jan Martel. That's a fun choice. Tell us more. Um, so I read that in high school um, as part of a book club that was started by the first teacher who really ever took me as a writer seriously. And so it was I and a handful of their students. And the first book that I read in that club was Life of Pi. Uh And I, there's so much about that book that I love. I cry through the ending every time. And I think one of the reasons that I love it most is uh, there's this section in the book where um so key to key to the plot is the modern question of the reliability of the narrator and one of the things i love about the book is it very boldly um early on and you don't fully understand why you're being told it in this way early on but then by the end you understand you're being told like which kind of story do you want to believe do you want to believe the story that's beautiful but a little hard to comprehend? Or do you want to believe the story that quote unquote makes a lot of sense? But, and the line, oh my gosh, the line is that in doing that, you miss the better story. That's a great line. Preston, tell us book two. So book two is Peace Like a River. Uh huh. For those who haven't read it, tell us mm. a little bit about the story. So it's a, I'm, I'm going to try to work really hard because I don't want to spoil things, uh-huh. but it is the story of, a father and his three children, and um, it's centered on um, the youngest boy. And he, it's very, it's so not the sort of book I would normally be into because it's very like, 
ice plains and midwestern and cowboyish and and not modern and it, there's this chain of events that happens where um, one of them runs away and there's a search for them. And I know that's all terribly vague and it probably sounds like I didn't read the book. It's just the <laughs> twists within it are so good that I don't want to say like, and then this happened. Mm-hmm. Um, but I will say that it is one of the most honest reckonings with the kind of impossibly supernatural, extraordinary faith that I've ever read and it, it's honesty about that kind of faith is so palpable that if you are one of the people who I would, th- I would say it like this. If you're someone who's skeptical of like the more charismatic Christian type of expression of faith, I don't think this book convinces you that the charismatic expression of faith is not without its problems, like any expression of the faith would be. But I do think this is the book that challenges the presumption that that faith doesn't have a place that can be fully realized in a appropriate, good, aching, truthful way. And that book features arguably one of the most extraordinary depictions of heaven um, that I've ever read in my entire life. I just read that for the first time a year or two ago. And it was... Uh, right? Yeah. Right? Okay, tell me your third book. So my third book is um, The House of Mirth by Edith Wharton. Okay, that's going to make all the English majors happy. I'm sure. Um, <laughs> <laughs> like, I read this so long ago, but uh-huh. it has it stayed with me. So most people, if you've read Edith Wharton, you've probably read Age of Innocence. No, actually, is... The House of Mirth is the only one I've read by her. Really? Mm-hmm. Okay, because most people I talk to say Age of Innocence. I think because it's a little bit shorter. Okay. Um, and it is a very good book, but we don't have to talk about it now because you haven't read it, so maybe nobody else has. But <laughs> House of Mirth is, I don't know. It, 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 to me, it feels like she brings the sort of watchful eye to society that virgin suicides, marriage plot the Gossip Girl series for its own part, that kind of, or, or even like um, Little Children, uh-huh. that kind of astuteness to social norms mm-hmm. and to comedies of manners that aren't actually that funny because they involve real people. Right. Um, and the honesty with which she talks about that. And fundamentally, House of Mirth is a, a love story air quotes, Um, (laughs) but it's one in which, so here's what I find so fascinating by it. It is written in a time where all of the traditional Jane Austen kinds of romances are the ones that are acceptable. Mm -hmm. And she doesn't pretend like her characters are, are, anachronistic she doesn't pretend like her characters suddenly say well that's wrong i'm not going to do that but she lets her narrator and her characters have an awareness of it to where you feel the the anxiety of being trapped in those systems and the attempts to break from them Mm -hmm. that ultimately can't work because the system itself won't let you go. 
And it's at once tragic and gorgeously written. And every detail has a purpose. And it just, it's one of those books that I think if if the setting and the characters were were modernized it's saying a lot still to us about our expectations of relationships power dynamics with money and class how we think about um what a woman is allowed to do versus what a man is allowed to do in terms of relationships and how that ends up being perceived and the high social cost that comes with some of those decisions Mm -hmm. okay so this is the fun part Tell me what you hate. I hate Dickens. <laughs> okay, overrated, outdated, or just not to your taste? Um, honestly, I... So I've read quite a bit. I've tried. I've worked really hard. Because you can't like, quit? Or because you're, you've made an honest effort to Because I've made an honest effort. What people think is there. Okay. Yeah, because I've, I've made an honest effort. And I... Honestly... I, I have my funny, pithy response, which is like, well, he was paid by the word and you can tell. Mm -hmm. Um, And I do think that's true. At the same time, none of the stories are interesting (laughs) at all. I'm like, none of of these are interesting. At the time when we were writing some of the most boring novels that ever existed, he is writing some of the most boringest of them all. (laughs) And I have, I've tried, like, I mean, I don't even like A Christmas Carol that much. And in any of its iterations. And I cannot stand Great Expectations. Tale of Two Cities is only passable when it's Wishbone. And Oliver Twist is just overdone. And it's also a bad (laughs) musical. And Bleak House is bleak. And I, I, uh, Nicholas Nickleby, the original, I'm not going to curse on here, but the original something boy. Like, I just... (laughs) I can't do it, and I've tried. Okay, now, after your YA confession, I can't wait to hear what you're reading now. Okay, so what I'm reading now. Um, I've actually just finished a couple of things, and mm-hmm. then I'm reading some 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 weird stuff concurrently. So oh, I, weird is I, good. Let's hear it. I just finished rereading Angels in America, uh-huh. um, the play, which I love so much. And I also just finished reading um, Girl on the Train. Mm-hmm. What do you think? Um, I'm, I'm, I'm sad to say this because I think this is really unfair to do to a book, but it's no gone girl. Yeah. And there's a lot about it that I liked very much, but then there were times where, again, comparing where in gone girl, I had a certain frustration with aspects of the narration that Mm -hmm. I came to realize I was supposed to have those frustrations. Right. In Girl on the Train, I was like, this isn't justified. I'm just really, I need to skip ahead with you for a little bit. <laughs> um, and the ending felt a little Lifetime movie drama-y. Mm-hmm. I can see that. That. That, was, that was a small letdown to me. But the getting there was actually really enjoyable. Mm-hmm. Um, and I also finished, the young adult I just finished is called I'll Give You the Sun. Yes, I just read that last month. Oh, it was so good. But it was also like all the things that a young adult novel should be. Which which is? High gloss, a little trashy. <laughs> all the colors are super saturated. Um, 
You know, it's it's pop art in a way. Uh-huh. And it's got real stuff. And yet the emotional heights are all the stakes, everything. Everything is life and death. There is an actual life and death moment in it. Like it's all, all up there. Um, but I loved it uh-huh. for that. I absolutely loved it for that. And then what I'm reading right now is is actually I'm um, starting in on uh, Brian Greene's Elegant Universe about string theory. Um, and I am also reading a book about um, how the Middle Ages received the Bible, which is called The Study of the Bible in the Middle Ages. Mm-hmm. And I am also... <laughs> Again, I read some weird stuff sometimes because I get curious about things. I am also reading Science and Health with Key to the Scriptures by Mary Baker Eddy, the founder of Christian Science. Interesting. Okay, Preston, those are quite, quite diverse picks. Is there, before we go, is there anything you want to be different in your reading life? I, I would like to work harder this year, especially to be much more intentional about reading um, people of color. I'm pretty good about reading women, but I'm not very good about being intentional about reading people of color. Mm -hmm. Okay. I have books in mind for you. Although it's, you know, making my brain explode what you said about um, YA and Gossip Girl. (laughs) We'll get right to it after the break. Hey guys, before we get back to my picks for Preston... Now, back to my conversation with Preston. Okay, welcome back. Preston, these are wonderful picks, although I kind of feel like I'm on Stump the Chef. You've chosen books that are old and new, whimsical and quite serious, um, religious and not at all, at least not on the surface, and magical and not magical, and then the YA really threw me for a loop. But (laughs) on the other hand, it seems like you like a little bit of everything. Okay, so your books are all very well written. They're reflective. They are, your characters go on a lot of journeys. You've got some heroes quests and anti-heroes. So we'll go from there. Let's see what you think of these. Book one will fulfill one of your reading goals. It is Cutting for Stone by Abraham Verghese. What do you know about it? I know nothing about it. All right, here we go. It is a sweeping family saga. It's set first in India then Ethiopia, and then the Bronx, and it traces the family across many years and places. At the center of the story, we have a pair of twin brothers that were born of a uh, illicit union between an Indian nun and a British surgeon. And any sense of magic in this book is from that mystical union between the brothers. But that's not really the point. The real drum for Geese's beating is how the course of one's life is determined by history and place and sheer accidents of birth and death. And he is a surgeon by trade and training. And this book is just absolutely permeated by that medical knowledge. So you go to hospitals. The characters are doctors and nurses. We enter operating theaters, because it's British, and emergency rooms alongside the characters. And it's sweeping and wistful and vivid. And it asks big questions. And I think it fits in with your English major picks. What do you think? I love it. I totally love it. Is that your kind of book? Yeah, it's long, but I think you don't mind. It's maybe Mm -hmm. 600-ish pages. Mm -hmm. Yeah. No, I'm really interested in that. Now, Preston, Mm. I'm not sure about your other ones. What direction do you want to go? Do you want to go Peace Like a River? Do you want to go deep and reflective? Or do you want to go more cynical for your next one? Oh, I'll take cynical any day. Okay. 
Book two is, it's not super cynical. Is that okay? That's okay. Gently cynical? Sure. Book two is your updated Edith Wharton. It is Rules of Civility by Amor Tolls. What do you know about it? Also know nothing about it. Nothing? Nothing. Oh, okay. Um, Oh, it's so good. It's a debut novel. It's from a few years ago. It is set in New York City. It reminds me of Gatsby, like the action unfolds Mm -hmm. in 1937. I think the story happens mostly in that year. Although it's told in one long flashback, so the writer and you can appreciate the structure. The structural device. Mm-hmm. So it begins in the 60s at an art show, but we quickly move back to 1937 when the real action unfolds. And it's about three young friends whose life is forever altered by something that happens one winter night. And it again, we keep coming back to these themes. It flirts with randomness and chance and how your lives can turn on one single incident or one single decision. And it also explores what happens when you try to make a deal to, uh, to get on in life. It's so, Mm. I didn't see this in any of the reviews, but now that I have Edith Wharton in my head, it reminds me so much of the house of mirth. Mm. Um, It's beautiful. The prose is very good. Um, The setting is very glittery and Gatsby esque. And it's really a page turner. Like Mm. if you're the type who's like, "Uh, you know, I'd rather read this book than get on with the rest of my life. Plan accordingly before you sit down with this one. I'm actually like, ordering it on audible right now <laughs> <laughs> oh i wonder how it is on audio i don't know i do do a lot of audiobooks and i haven't heard anything about that one yeah I, i'll let you know because i'm probably gonna start it <laughs> wait 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 you have to hear your um well this isn't actually a ya pick this is your chiclet pick have you read the knockoff no oh okay that makes me happy okay it's called the knockoff imagine Artists. a mashup of the devil wears prada and in good company Oh, awesome. It came out last summer. This was the book that all the um, the soccer moms are reading at the pool, Preston. So this is it sounds like it's know, for you. I have yeah, no yeah. intel about this. <laughs> the story is heavily inspired by All About Eve, which is another way you can't yes. go wrong. You have seen that, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. That's the answer I wanted to hear. So we also have a nice, fun social media thing going on since you do some of your work online. We have a 42-year-old editor of Glossy Magazine, and she returns yes, from a six-month sabbatical. Right. Of course. Right? See, this is just calling your name. Best titles. Right. Best titles. Right. In the movies. <laughs> they can do it in the movies. Uh-huh. Okay. Or, you know, novels, whatever we happen to be talking about here. So she gets back from her medical leave, and she finds out that her fill-in, a 20-something upstart Harvard Business School grad, is actively trying to usurp her position, like, for keeps. And worse, she's trying to turn this, like, beloved print magazine into an app and only an app. So this is not great literature. Oh, my gosh. I'm so excited. This is this is like pure fun. But what I loved about this is I heard about it and I thought, I want to read that. And then I'm probably going to be sorry because it's not actually going to be good. You know, it's going to be a good idea, but poor in its execution because that happens a lot in this genre. I think. Do you think? Yeah. No, it totally does. Okay. Well, I thought maybe your standards were different. No. So no, I always feel a little bad. It's like when you eat too many Thin Mints <laughs> and you have to oh, live with the favorites. weight of your sin. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's exactly like that because, yeah, I can eat a whole – I can't eat those because if I do, I will eat the whole sleeve. Whole thing. Yeah. yeah. And well, I love no, the Girl they Scouts. They go bad. They go bad if you leave them open. Oh, right. For like more than 20 minutes? Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. It's like once you've opened a bottle of wine, it goes bad really quickly. I know. I know. So you just have to do what needs to be done. Exactly. <laughs> Okay, well, in that case, I re- I'm excited about this one for you. I can't wait to hear what you think. So, because for a genre, it is so well written. Like, it is 
just the right. It's not too over the top. You've got to be kidding me. I know this is a novel, but you're pushing the limits. Um, mm-hmm. It's if you like New York City, it's very fun. Like I was googling locations as I was reading it, so I could like see what they yeah. were talking about. Um, and it's just it's just the right amount of snarky. Oh, I'm sold. Yeah, Excellent. I'm definitely sold. Okay, so what do you what are you going to read next? Um. Oh gosh. I don't know how the knockoff is on audio, and I would hate for that voice to permeate your uh, rather more serious-minded fiction. Yeah, I think I think so we're safe tough from choices. that, which makes me think that the knockoff might be where I start. Fantastic. Um, thanks so much for talking books with me today. Thank you. This was so much fun. I'm going to come track you down when I need a YA reading recommendation. Always. All right, Always ready good. for that. Thanks so much. Hey everyone, I love chatting with Preston about what he loves and hates to read. Remember, you can connect more with Preston on Twitter at Preston Yancey. You can check out his blog, PrestonYancey.com, and be sure to check out his books, Out of the House of Bread and Tables in the Wilderness. Before we go, don't forget to sign up for the What Should I Read Next newsletter. Doing that will keep you in the know about any new happenings with the show, and I solemnly swear that your email or information will not be sold to telemarketers, Nigerian princes, or political candidates. Just go to whatshouldireadnextpodcast.com slash newsletter and subscribe there to make sure you don't miss anything. Thanks again so much for listening. If you're on Twitter, let me know there at Ann Bogle. That's Ann with an E, B as in books, O-G-E-L. Well, that's it for this episode. As Reiner Maria Rilke says, ah, how good it is to be among people who are reading. Happy reading, everyone.